the basic series is what we're studying on Sunday nights in small group, and uh, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit tonight. And a lot of folks have some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit, and so we hope to clear that up through our discussion tonight. And uh, we're just kind of looking at, like the series says, it's basic. It's the foundational beliefs that we have in the Christian church, and so that's what we've been going through. And you can come. You, you don't have to have been there the first couple of times. You can still get on in on what we're doing tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, additionally, um, two weeks from today, we're going to be doing baptism. If you're interested in being baptized, put that on the back of your card. I'll get that, and uh, I'll contact you, and we'll, we'll tell you what all needs to happen. But that's on the 27th. We're going to do a baptism. Next Sunday is our uh, 101 church membership class. If you're interested in joining our church, everyone goes through that class. And so there's a sign-up sheet back there in the uh, living room for that. So uh, if you're interested, be sure and, and sign up so we'll know that you're coming. Um, I grew up in a very, very conservative home. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Basically, church was a habit. It was not something you even considered not doing. In fact, my mom, if you did not go to church, you didn't do anything else for the rest of the week. And so, man, it didn't matter how bad I felt. I was going to drag my sorry tail out of bed on Sunday mornings. I was going to be at church because it was just a habit. And I remember coming up through um, the, the Baptist church and being taught, not only at church, but at home, that, that sex was only supposed to happen in a marriage. No sex outside of marriage. Isn't that a strange teaching? Isn't, isn't that absurd? Because... I grew up in the 70s. I started school in 1970. I started first grade and we had just come through the 60s with all of the free love and, and all of the casual sex and all of that stuff and drugs and alcohol and sex. And I was taught no sex outside of marriage. And I bought it. I believe that. And I remember coming through high school and, and I remember when, when all the guys in the locker room, because I was in sports from the time I could remember all the way through high school, and I remember being in the locker room and when we'd go into practice, guys would start talking about what happened, especially on Mondays, they'd talk about what happened on Friday night and Saturday night and, and how far they'd gotten in their sexual escapades. And I'd just kind of be standing there, you know, I'd be, I'd be putting on my, my, my uh, practice jersey and my pads and all that stuff and, and then somewhere in the conversation someone would say, so Wash... How far? How far have you gotten? And whoever, it didn't matter who I was dating, how far have you gotten? And, and you know, I would look at him and I'd go, I kissed her. That's it? I'm like, yeah. It was awesome. I kissed her. I may have kissed her a lot, but no sex. And they're like, dude, nobody, nobody lives like that. You don't understand. I said, yeah, I do. What I was taught is no sex outside of marriage. And so I understand very cl clearly no sex outside of marriage. And so I never had sex outside of marriage. And then I met a girl named Janie who grew up in a very, very conservative home. And she was taught from the earliest age, no sex outside of marriage. And she bought it. She believed it. In fact, she was in high school. She was one of the leaders in her uh, youth group. And she was uh, even elected to be on the youth minister search committee, uh, which could have been the biggest disaster of our lives because she was trying to get me to come be the youth minister at her church. And I'm like, don't you know, I never would have dated you ever had I come to your church. And she's like, oh, I didn't care. She vetoed anybody not named Doug Washburn. She vetoed. And finally, her youth minister, her former youth minister called me. He's like, dude, you got to tell her you're not coming. You're not going to that church because they would not get another youth minister. They kept trying, please come be. I'm like, no, I'm not going to come be your youth minister. 
But she went to college and her, her friends in college were like, nobody is a virgin anymore. You don't know what you're missing out on. But she stayed firm. And in fact, she told me after we were married, several years after we were married, part of the reason she remained a virgin until we got married was because she heard me say that I wanted to marry a virgin. And she said, well, I'm going to marry him, so I guess I better be that virgin. And I'm like, well, praise God you heard me say that. And not that, that she would have, but she had opportunities. I had many of, many opportunities, but I just believed that there was something about this teaching, no sex outside of marriage. And so I bought it. And, uh, and uh, a lot of people don't go along with that. Now, let me just pause for a second. Let me ask you um, a couple of things, because some of you are thinking, you know, that's a nice story. That's awesome. Great story. But nobody lives like that anymore. And, and besides, isn't this no sex outside of marriage? Isn't that really just for teenagers? Before I answer that, let me ask you a question. Has sex outside of marriage made your life better or more complicated? Is doing sex outside of marriage, is that, is that just making your relationships smooth and awesome? Or has it complicated your life? Because if the answer is sex outside of marriage complicates things then it's not just for teenagers, is it? This next summer, I am celebrating my 30-year high school reunion, and I can't wait to go. My luck, this is my luck, we're scheduled to go to Haiti in, in uh, July 14th. That's when they're going to schedule my 30-year uh, my reunion. My 20-year um, reunion was about the time we were starting this church, and I couldn't go, so I missed that. But anyway, I can't wait to go, and, and I just got a question to ask. Does the fact that I didn't have sex with anybody who's going to be at my high school reunion, will that make my, my high school reunion smoother or more complicated? Smoother. So don't buy the lie that no sex outside of marriage is just for teenagers. You see, Satan has taken this wonderful thing God gave us called sex and he's twisted and he says, it's just physical. But I got four statements for you today about sex. And number one on your listening guide is there is no such thing as casual sex. No such thing as casual sex. How long is, has the idea of casual sex or free sex been around? Forever. At least in the United States, it's really been around since the 60s. Now, I'll show you in a minute. It has been around forever. There's nothing new under the sun. Solomon said that there is nothing new. We're still doing the same things everybody else has done. But in the United States, really, about the 60s is when we started throwing off those shackles of, of, uh, of religion and having sex with, with whomever, whenever we wanted to. And so we've got about 50 years of data right now. And so i I, I got to ask you, is sex outside of marriage, is that making marriages stronger? Are marriages lasting longer today than they were 50 years ago? Are people happier today? Are, are we having fewer people having to go to family therapists, family counseling today than we did 50 years ago? The answer is no. It's rampant. And see, this whole idea of sex outside of marriage and, and the whole idea of data is everywhere. Because I want to ask you, what were the top two stories this last week on the news replayed over and over and over again? 
One of them had to do with a presidential candidate being accused of, of uh, sexual harassment years ago. All right, so there's one story, and it's been played nonstop until what else happened? Until a college football coach who'd been at a university for 46 years was fired. The president was fired. And now even the guy who reported it appears to be fired. The top two stories this last week have had to do with sex because there were allegations of, of sexual abuse, of, of abusing some, some minor boys. And so you think about just this last week. It's not just this last week. You go back the last year. You go back the last five years, the last ten years. What are the major stories that dominate our news waves over and over? Most of the time, it has to do with sex. At least 90% of the time, it has to do with sex. And, and so if, if all of this is everywhere in our culture, if we're hearing all this stuff, what does that tell you about our view of sex? It's broken. It's messed up. It's not working. Now, I want today just to take a common sense approach. Jeff, you're going to have to turn these up just a little bit because I told him to run it. One of our air conditioners isn't working. That's why it's kind of hot in here. That's a little too much. Right there. Good. I'm blind. I'm getting old, and, and so I'm blind. Yeah, thank you. And I'm riding a motorcycle today, so you might want to watch out when I head out of the parking lot. Now, if God really loves you, if this heavenly Father exists and He loves you, what would you expect Him to say about sex? Be responsible. Practice safe sex. Use a condom. Is that what you would expect a loving heavenly father to do? Because, see, a loving father is not going to stick his head in the sand. When he looks around and he sees all of the devastation that free sex, casual sex has caused in our society, a loving heavenly father is going to tell you the opposite of what culture says. And that's what God has done. Is he tells us that sex is just for marriage. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that's old school and, and it doesn't work anymore. Well, I want to ask you, how do we know it doesn't work? Because where's the data that shows people who don't have sex before marriage getting married and, and then they have horribly complicated lives because they didn't have sex before marriage? That data doesn't exist. It's not out there. So how do we know? We don't. Because there's not very many of us that have tried it that way. One of the reasons that sex is just for marriage is because marriage is like a fire. And fire is awesome. When you're camping out, fire is awesome in a fire pit. Fire's not so awesome running through the forest, right? Years ago, I was youth minister and, and my assistant and I took a group of teenagers. And I don't remember, 10 to 15, somewhere in there. Uh, we took them camping just south of Possum Kingdom Lake on the Brazos River. And it was beautiful. It was awesome. We were going to spend the night on Friday night and then we were going to canoe down the river. And the river was kind of low. And so we're on all these rocks and there's dirt. And, you know, we're not near any trees or anything like that. So we, we get there and it took us longer to get there than we thought. So we're all putting up our tents frantically because the, we're losing daylight. And so I'm over here doing something and one of the guys comes up and he goes, hey, Doug. And this guy was a, a senior in high school, junior, senior in high school. And he goes, hey, man, can I build a fire before we lose all the daylight? And I'm like, that's a great idea. We talked about fire pits and all this stuff. So I'm putting up a tent when all of a sudden I hear, hey, Doug, I think we got a problem. I turn around and there's a tree on fire. Now, by tree, I mean tree. 10, 12, 13 feet tall, and it's not smoldering. There's not a little bit of smoke. This is like the burning bush, only it's a burning tree, and it's raging. And I went, oh, dear God. 
Because in my mind, I saw the headlines the next day, youth minister fired for allowing forest fire. I, I mean, I really did. I was telling my assistant, I'm like, dude, we're so fired. Well, by the grace of God, it wasn't near anything else. I mean, this had to be the grace of God because this was so stupid. There's this tree burning like crazy, but there's no wind. There's no other trees around. And eventually the tree goes, falls toward the river, you know, and burns itself out. I mean, I was just thanking God that I wouldn't be here today had that thing caught the forest on fire. And, and we just, we realized that fire is awesome in a fire pit. Fire's not so good going through the forest. You don't run through the forest with your, with your burning embers because something is going to happen. It could have been devastating. Now, this is just common sense that, that the approach we have to sex isn't working. And see, when God created sex and God is the one who created humans and he created sex, God brought the first matches and he piled up all the kindling and he poured this uh, lighter fluid on there when he created humans, man and woman. And he lit the, the passion spark between the first human beings and it was hot and it was awesome. And that's what God designed sex to be. And the angels are sitting around and, and this is beyond anything they had ever seen in their lives before. Because, you know, they were around when the, the animals were, were created. All the animals were created before the humans and then the humans come up. And then there's, there's this magical thing that no, no, there's not a, a, a helper, a completer found for Adam. Because he named all the animals before Eve was created. Then Eve was created and God lights this spark and the angels are going, that's awesome. And God's going, I made that up. I started with nothing and I made that up and sex is awesome. And I can just imagine the angels are going, man, makes me wish I was human. No, probably not. They probably didn't say that, but I'm guessing they probably didn't say that. Okay. I'm just making sure y'all are with me. There's no biblical support for that whatsoever. All right. The creator of sex has a lot to say about it. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 today. And if you have your Bibles, turn there. Or your uh, smartphones, get your Bible app open. But i got to tell you about this. i got to explain what, what Paul is talking about or who he's talking to so you'll understand this. You see, Paul is talking to a culture that was very similar to ours. Not in technology. This is 2,000 years ago. But in their attitudes towards sex. They're very similar to 2011 United States American attitudes towards sex. See, they bought the lie that sex was just physical. It's only physical. It's an activity that you engage in. Kind of like soccer or baseball. It's just something you do. See, the Corinthians bought that. Something you do. See, they said, this was their argument earlier in the book. You eat when you're hungry. You sleep when you're tired. And you have sex when you're a little frisky. That's just what you do. It's who we are as human beings. And this culture was so jacked up that you could even go, men could even go to church and have sex. Now, one of the things they complain about in the United States is that a lot of men don't go to church. They didn't have that problem in Corinth because you could have sex as part of worship. Can you just imagine sitting around at at work? What are you doing after work? I got to go to church again. Because there were a thousand temple prostitutes in Corinth. 
And part of their worship was you go find some girl, you hook up, you have sex, then you go home, have dinner and play with the kids. It's just something that they did. And in the midst of that culture, that attitude towards sex is just an activity that you engage in. It's just a temporary thing. Paul drops this letter to the Corinthians. And in chapter six, verse 18, he says, run away from sexual sin. Run. Now, I'm willing to bet most of you in here would say, man, I agree with that. Run from sexual sin. That's pretty smart. That's a good saying. Sexual sin. Run away from it. And then you're going to go, could you define sexual sin for me? What, what is sexual sin? So I'll know what it is I'm supposed to run away from. And the definition is extremely important. Because in our society, in this room, there are people living together outside the bonds of marriage. And they're saying, I agree you run away from sexual sin, but what I'm doing is not sexual sin. There are people in our culture, maybe even in this room, who are married to one individual who have a boyfriend or a girlfriend on the side and they're having sexual relations with them and they're saying, I agree, we should run away from sexual sin, but what I'm doing isn't sexual sin. There are people in our culture in this room who are doing things on the internet and they're going, that thing on the internet, that's not sexual sin, is it? Let's see what the Bible says because the Bible in the Old Testament, in the New Testament is remarkably clear on what sexual sin is. So let me just give you the definition. This is statement number two. Sexual sin, and later in the verse it's going to call it immorality. Sexual sin is arousal outside the context of marriage. Arousal, intentional sensuality, intentional sexuality, intentional arousal outside the context of marriage is immorality. And some of you are going, oh dude, I'm in trouble. If that's the definition of of sexual sin, I'm in trouble. And and I'm just going to tell you right now, because I'm just throwing it out there today. You're probably in more trouble than you realize. It's, It's not good news today. And what I want you to do is I don't want you to miss this next insight, because this next insight has impacted every person in this room. And it's impacted every person in our society. And it will impact every person... That, that is not yet even born, who's going to live on this earth, this insight is going to impact them. And it's been in the Bible for over 2,000 years. So don't miss this. So we continue. Run away from sexual sin. Here's the next part of the verse. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Oh, I skipped it. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Sex is in a category all its own, not because God gets bent out of shape when we have sex outside of marriage, but because of the way sex outside of marriage impacts you. You see, God's not up there and he doesn't suddenly go into a rage and go ballistic over sexual sin as opposed to other sins. That's not what Paul's saying. The reason sex is in a category all its own is not because of how God reacts to it. It's because of how you react to it. Sexual sin takes a toll on a human being in a way that no other sin even comes close to. That's why a young boy or young girl can be sexually molested at five or six years old. And when they're 57, they are still carrying the wounds and they're still messed up. And this wasn't even their sin. This was someone else's sin committed against them. And they're still being messed up because of sexual sin. It's why... Choices at 16, 17, 18 years old may not even totally mess up your life then. Yes, it's going to mess up your life, but it may impact the next stage of your life more than that stage. And it keeps coming back over and over again because sexual sin is in a category beyond anything else. It is destructive. 
the consequences are different than any other sin. And it's like that fire raging through the forest. It is horribly destructive. Statement number three. Here's why this is such a big deal. Sex bonds people together. Sex bonds people together. If you have your Bibles, we're going to skip back to verse 15 of chapter 6. And we're going to look through several things. He says, do you not know because they didn't? And we don't either. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and this word is a big deal, and unite them with a prostitute? Never. So I told you about the prostitutes at the temple, right? So here's the thing. Paul's saying when we come together on earth, we are the body of Christ. And when we come together, the Bible says where two or more of us are gathered, that Christ is there in our midst. We are representing the body of Christ. By myself, I'm not the body of Christ. Yes, I am a Christ follower and I'm a part of the body of Christ. But it takes someone else for me to be a part of the body of Christ with them. When we come together, we are parts of the body of Christ. And Paul says, are you going to take the parts of the body of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? And, and unite is a very significant word. It means to glue together, to permanently bond something together. And he says, God forbid that we should take the members of the body of Christ and unite them with a prostitute. Well, the Corinthians say, well, we're not uniting. We're just having sex. Uniting sounds, uniting sounds permanent. That girl at the temple, she's, she's some girl. I don't even know her name. I didn't unite. And Paul says, yes, you did. The reason you think you didn't unite is because you don't understand sex. They thought sex was an activity, a pastime, something you temporarily engage in. But according to God, when you've had sex with someone, you've united, you've permanently bonded with them in some way. Verse 16. Do you not know, because they didn't, and neither do we. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? We're not one, it was just one time. You think it was an event or a pastime, but really, sex, it's a pathway to something deeper and more meaningful. When you have sex with someone, you unite with them. And then here's the deal. When, if you separate from them, it rips a part of you. You take a part of them with you. They take a part of you with them because it is a permanent deal, this sex. And and have you ever noticed that... Um, there's nothing, nothing at all funny about this process. Because there's a lot of stuff in my past. I've shared a lot of dumb stories with you. And you laugh at my dumb stories. I laugh at your dumb stories. We go to parties. We tell stories. We go, we're riding our motorcycles today. And when we get to lunch, I'm sure we'll tell some dumb stories. But nobody ever tells dumb stories and laughs about their sexual sin. Doesn't happen. Because it's not funny. You can put other things behind you, but you can't do that with sexual sin. When you're with your wife or your husband, these ghosts from, from your sexual past come up and you think, where did that come from? I, I thought I was over that. And it just complicates things. And when you have children, you're trying to be honest with them about sex and your sexual sin comes up and they're saying, why shouldn't I do it? You did it. And it just complicates things when you have to bring that up. It complicates your life. When you're with your, your, you find the person that you're going to marry, why is it that something that was no big deal then, that was just an activity then, that was just an event then, is such a big deal now when you have to tell your husband or wife that they're not the first, they're not the only? 
Why is it such a big deal? Paul says, oh, it's, it's because no one told you that sex isn't just physical. It's way, way more than physical. It's not what animals do. It's a uniting, not just of your physical bodies. It's a uniting of your souls. Statement number four. Sex is designed for intimacy. Sex is a physical expression of your deepest need for intimacy. And when you take sex outside of God's design, you completely foul up your intimacy factor. This is how it's a sin against your own body. It's a sin against your own soul. You mess up your ability to be intimate with someone else in the future. You've committed a crime against your soul. It's a sin against your body. Now, at this point, Paul goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 to illustrate his point. And, and I don't know if you notice this, you probably have. How many times we go back to the beginning? So many times I'll be talking about something, then I'll go, okay, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to the very beginning. This happens all the time. That's what Paul does here. He goes all the way back to the beginning and he quotes something because by chapter 2 of Genesis, God has already told us what sex is. And Paul quotes it and he says, if we, if we don't understand sex, we will abuse it and misuse it and it will destroy lives. Here's what he says. For it is said, all the way back in Genesis, it is said, the two will become one flesh. This is still in, in verse 16. Verse, uh, six, chapter 6, verse 16. This is the second half of that. The two will become one flesh. The two what? Humans. And, and God created them what? Male and female? Okay, this is a big deal. You want to know what sex was intended for? You go back to the beginning. God created man. He saw that man was alone. It was not good that man was alone. He created woman, whoa, man, to correspond to his needs. I would love to have seen that because don't you know, Adam was like, so sweet. Because he'd not seen anything like her. That was the whole purpose of him naming all the animals. There was not found a helper suitable for Adam. And he saw Eve after he, he'd, been, he'd been put to sleep and God took the rib and he made Eve. And Adam goes, this is awesome. And God goes, yeah, I know. Man and woman. Not man and man. Not woman and woman. You go back to the beginning. God created man and woman and he designed us for intimacy. When two unite sexually, they become one. And the truth about some of your struggles today is that through sex, there's this oneness with someone else. And you can never ever completely unone. Let's see, I need uh, Alex and Danielle. You're going to have to turn the lights up for this one. The house lights, Jeff. Come here, y'all. Y'all, come here. This, and, and this is not painful. You don't have to speak. Danielle hates to be in front of people. All right. Let's come right here in the middle. Let's just make it all the more worse. All right, Alex, this is yours. Danielle, this is yours. All right. This represents sex between husband and wife. Okay, so we're going to stick them together. All right. All right, we have united, we have bonded. I was there when these guys got married. They united, they bonded. Now, pull it apart. They're not going to separate, they're not going to divorce, they don't believe in that. But here's the process. When you try to unone with someone that you have gotten one with. Exactly, that's exactly my point. All right, go ahead, Danielle, I'm going to help you. Okay, forget it, Danielle. <laughs> And see, Janie and I were doing this this morning, and she goes, 
it seems like one person is trying harder than the other person to get away. (laughs) And that's really funny. And it's also exactly right. Because you know what it's like when you try to get away from somebody that you bonded with. Oh, no. Thank you all. Did you see that look she gave me? Clap for Danielle because uh, if looks could kill, I would be dead. So you try with all your might to un-one from them. And even if, even if I could get all of this apart, and I can't. How sticky is this one? And you wonder why your intimacy factor is jacked up? Because if sex is designed, if the creator of sex says you bond with someone, you unite with someone, the more times you have sex with someone, the less bonding you can possibly do because you've messed up your intimacy factor. And your intimacy is the thing that you need and it's the thing that your husband or wife desperately wants from you. And you can't do it because you've messed it up. And deep down, you know what I'm saying today is true, don't you? You know sex outside of marriage complicates your life. You know the damage it causes. And you're not surprised at all that a loving Heavenly Father says, run away from sexual sin. God's saying you're going to hurt yourself. And you're saying, but it was just one night. I don't even know her name. She's not pregnant and I'm sick. I'm free. And God says, no, you're not. You don't understand sex. You've damaged your intimacy factor. You've dented your soul. And it will hurt you the rest of your life. Pick it up in verse uh, 19. Do you not know, because they didn't and neither do we, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? This is a big deal, this temple word, because... Think about the temple that he's talking to in in Corinth. It was the temple of Aphrodite, one of the Greek goddesses. And in that temple, a thousand prostitutes. They were called priestesses because they were so messed up about this idea of sex that they thought you could come to church, have sex, and glorify some type of deity. But it's not the God of the Bible. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? Honor God with your body. See, here's the crazy thing. Sex inside of marriage is God honoring. Sex outside of marriage is sexual sin. We try to dress it up. We call it a mistake, a one-night stand, an indiscretion. The Bible calls it a sin. And, and I'm fully aware in our crowd that some of you are much, much too progressive to buy what I'm selling today. I know what I'm telling you is old school. I know you think that it's not popular and it just doesn't apply anymore. I have one request of you today, if you're in that camp. One word. Remember, because there's going to be a day when you wake up 
and you've ruined your life, you've ruined your dreams, you've ruined all your relationships, you are going to be at the bottom and, and you're going to be saying, why is this happening to God, to me, God? And, and, and I want you to remember this message today. Remember that you've done it outside of God's will. So God never blesses someone who, who disobeys him. Blessing always comes after obedience. Others of you, you're the ones that, that you're out there making money and, and you're doing a good job at it and you have all the toys and, and you're going to have all of the sexual partners that you can ever want in your life. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to see the hollow shell of an empty man or the hollow shell of an empty woman because you cannot get from others what you desperately need from others. And it's intimacy because your intimacy factor is broken. And I want you to remember And I want you to be honest enough to say, what I've been doing isn't working. Remember. Now, there's a whole lot more in this group that fully buy what I'm saying today. You've done it your way and you know it doesn't work. And you're saying, man, I know I've messed up. Man, I can testify. We could spend a lot of time. What about me? Got one word for you. And it's also an R word. It's repent. Repent. Restoration comes through repentance. And repentance is this big church word, but really it's very, very simple. Repentance means I change my mind, so it changes my actions. Repentance means if I'm going this way, if I'm walking down this path, repentance means not only do I say this is a bad path that I'm on, but I need to turn around and go back this way. Repentance means I change some actions because if you don't change your actions, you are not serious about the change in your life. And some of you know you need to stop doing what you've been doing. You need to repent of your sexual sin because your sexual sin has followed you and it has haunted you. So my suggestion is go all the way back to the beginning. Whenever you know that sexual sin started. For me, I was 11 or 12 years old the first time I saw a pornographic magazine. And I still remember my friend's house. And, I, and, and this was a church family. And we were up in, in his brother's bedroom. And he goes, hey, you want to see something? And he goes and he pulls out under, from underneath the mattress. He pulls out a Playboy. That's when, that's when I stepped across into a sinful world. You go back to wherever you started and you walk through your sexual sin and you admit it to God. and You you say, God, I know that sex is a pathway and I don't like where it led me. It's not a pastime. It's something much deeper than that. And I don't like where I am, God. And you just begin to confess all of your sexual sins. And you ask God to help you remember even the things that you don't remember. And you confess those to God. Repentance means you make some big lifestyle changes. Some of you need to get rid of the internet. Oh, that's too drastic. Well, then have a sorry marriage. If your internet is worth more than your marriage, then, then I don't want to be a part of your wedding. I don't want to, to ask God to bless you if you're not even willing to be the spiritual leader of your home, guys. Some of you, you need to quit hanging out with certain people. Because you become like those people you hang out with. And if the people you hang out with talk bad about women, put women down, it's not going to be long before your attitude is just like that. If you're hanging out with people who don't like married people, it's not going to be long until those attitudes start creeping into your mind. 
Guys, I don't ever want to hear you talk bad about your wife. I don't want to hear it. Because you've crossed over into sin. And probably the majority of your problem in your marriage, guys, is the dude you look at in the mirror every day. Because God created women to be reflectors. And, and if my wife is in a bad mood, most of the time I've put her there. Or Caleb. I mean, let's just be honest. No. Most of the time it's me. She re- reflects back to me. She responds back to me what I am giving to her. And if I am loving her like Christ loved the church, and if I, I am purifying her, the Bible says that, that Christ washed his bride through the, the word like water so that he could present her to himself, this beautiful, spotless bride with no blemish on her. If I am treating my wife like that, do you think submission is ever an issue? She not only does she submit to my leadership, she comes to me for advice. And then the whole sexual thing, that's not an issue because she willingly gives her body to me because that's what God intended. And that's when sex is awesome. I'm not lying to you, folks. Been married 20 years. Sex is better now than it was when we started. We didn't have a clue what we were doing when we started. And it's one of the coolest things about our marriage. I'm telling you, the fact that we didn't have any idea what to do sexually. At the time, it wasn't cool. I'll be honest. It wasn't cool because we were like, we waited for this. You know? I mean, seriously, we did not know what we were doing. But now that is one of the nearest and dearest things to my heart. Is that she's, she's all mine. And I'm all hers. Now, some of you are married and, and honestly your sexual sin goes back to before you married each other and you had sex before you married each other. You need to get on your knees today together and confess to God that what you did was wrong. Because see, there, I was in youth ministry for 19 years and, and girls would come up and they'd just be bawling after we would have sex talks and and they'd say, what do I do because I'm not a virgin anymore? I said, well, God can, God can do something called spiritual virginity. God cleanses you and he purifies you spiritually. And especially, especially if someone violated you that, that raped you, sexually abused you. That's not your sin, that's someone else's. But you carry the weight of that. And you go to God and you say, God, this was not the way it was intended to, do, to be. And God says, I know. And he takes the blood of Christ and he cleanses you from your sexual sin. And he restores you spiritually to a spiritual virginity. But here's something deeper. Because honestly, some of you singles here today, you need to mark a a year from today. And you're going to say, I'm crazy and I don't care. Some of you need to mark a year from today and not have another date for a year. So that you can confess your life to your heavenly father and he can cleanse you and he can restore you. And some of you are going, man, you know, no way am I going a year. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, okay, singles, half of you aren't dating anyway. Let's be real. You're not going out with anybody. But I might miss this guy. Yeah, you might. And praise God that you missed him. Some of you are like, well, well I'm dating this guy and, and, and I'm going to fix him. I got to tell you, I spend a lot of my time doing counseling. And, and I'm, I'm just going to be gut level honest. Premarital counseling is awesome. 
that counseling I do when your marriage is on its last thread and you don't even like each other anymore wears me out. And I go home, I, I, I come walking in the house dragging because my soul is heavy. Because I'm thinking, there's nothing I can do. Most of the time, by the time they come to me, it's too late. And, and it wears me out. And I go home and I'll tell Janie sometimes, I say, you got to pray for me because I'm sucking wind. Because I saw today the broken down effects of doing sex outside of marriage. And so some of you, some of you singles, best thing in the world is if you were to break up with the person you're, you're dating right now because they're not right for you. And you think you're the one who's going to be different. And maybe five years from now, if you're even still in the church, if you're even still going to church, you're going to call me up and you're going to say, hey man, can, can you counsel us? Because what we're doing isn't working. And I can save you a boatload of heartache if you'll break up now. But, 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 because here's the thing. If you're having sex outside of marriage, or if you're not willing, I mean, because here's, here's bottom line. If you're not willing to put God, number one, above even that person you're dating or that person that you're having sex with, and, and if you're married, you stay together, okay? Stay together. If you're not willing to put God above them, if, you're, if you want your sex more than you want God, then sex is up here and God's not even in your life. Oh, well, I'm a Christ follower. You may have prayed the prayer, but you're not following Christ. Because sex outside of marriage has been wrong from the beginning. It's not just a teenager sex talk. It lasts from the moment you're born until you die. And, and by the way, I talk about this all the time. Purity. If you remain a virgin till you get married and, and, and your spouse remains a virgin till they get married and, and you have sex, you're still pure. Do you know that? It, hello. Things are flashing up here. I hit the remote. You're still pure. So I've had sex with my wife for 20 years and I'm pure. You better believe it. God wants to take your life and He wants to restore intimacy. But He only does that after you've been following Him. Remember, blessing comes after obedience. Oh, but it's so hard. It's because you've bonded and you want to get away and you can't. And, and I can't even pull... Duct tape's awesome. I've used it for, I've, I've done pants, I've done injuries. I was watching Mythbusters the other night, and on Mythbusters, there was a myth that, that a bear attacked this, this plane in Alaska, and they repaired it with duct tape, and so they did. It's true. You can repair an airplane with duct tape. And they took it a step further, and they even made a whole airplane. They took the shell, and they put duct tape on it. They flew the sucker. And it's one of the best illustrations I can give you. For the bonding factor. You want to know why your life's messed up? It's because you've done sex your way. Would you bow your heads for a minute?
God, I sense a heaviness in the room today. Because of some sexual choices that we've made. But you're a God of hope. And you're a God of restoration. And you're a God who restores intimacy. It's what we really want. Father, there's a lot of teenagers in this room, three of mine. Oh God. I pray they would do sex your way. Because it's not just me. It's their future spouses. It's their kids, my grandkids. That will be affected. So God, help us draw a line in the sand today and, and do things right. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are saying, oh, Doug, aren't you being a little extreme? Well, here's the thing. Have y'all ever been to a zoo? Now, I'm not talking about the safari, but you've been to a zoo where there are no walls to any exhibit. They just, they just pour a sidewalk and let you walk through the crazy, dangerous zoo. Would any of you go to that zoo? You know, go in. Okay, yeah, but you wouldn't come out. Okay, you may go, but you're not coming out. Because that's crazy, stupid, dangerous to go to a zoo like that. Having sex outside of marriage is more dangerous. What? If you go to the crazy, stupid zoo, you die. You do sex outside of marriage, you kill several generations. Because sex outside of marriage will impact how you marry, it will impact how you parent, it will impact your children, and it will manifest itself in your grandchildren, in their children. It kills generations. I'm not overstating this. You've got to make a choice. Are you going to do sex God's way or your way? And I don't want you to fall for a lie. That it's just physical. It's way more than that. Would you take your registration cards please? Fill those out. On the back we always ask you to do something. And I want you to uh, write one of these statements. The, the four statements that I gave today that, that really impacted you the most. You can just write the number and I'll know what you're talking about. Number one is there's no such thing as casual sex. Number two is sexual sin is out, arousal outside of marriage. Maybe you needed to know that. Maybe that's what God is teaching you today. Number three, sex bonds people together. Or number four, sex is for intimacy. You see, I, I, the reason I give you a listening guide, the reason we ask you to, to apply some of these things is because we don't want to waste an hour. I don't want you to waste an hour of your time and just leave here no different than when you came in. You need to apply God's word. God didn't give us His Word for information. He gave it for transformation. And the only way it transforms us is if we put into practice what God is teaching us.